You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Cousins being rushed, and down he goes. RJ McIntosh with a sack. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Not am I always with you, Grump. I am actually with you tonight. Oh, man. And it's uh, it's been a mess in my apartment. Yeah, we actually, for the first... This is the first broadcast we've ever done together in the same room. Incorrect. We did one in a hotel room in that's, Tampa. That's our own business. That's <laughs> private, not for anyone else to hear. This is this is the first one at a, uh, at a shared residence, I would say. Well, we don't share the residence. No, but it's your uh, residence. Not it's mine. at a residence that we did together in a residence. At a location, at a yeah. watching party with me and you. Yeah. We watched the game together in it on a TV in the same room that we're recording. Me first and time. you and a bottle of Jameson makes three. It's. I don't know if you saw that bottle. It's almost empty. Well, we needed it after a game like that. I have to give myself a little bit of credit. This game, score prediction-wise, is pretty close to what I said. I said 27-23. We're looking at 26-16. I said that the final score would bring them to 23. It didn't happen that way. But all in all, I would say watching this game through Daniel Jones' end zone pick was not that bad. My fear when this season started that it would be very ugly football for a long time and you know for the first few weeks and I thought all things considered the mental mistakes and even the physical mistakes were kept at a relative minimum and I was pretty pleased at what I saw you know with all the things we've discussed for weeks and weeks about the lack of a formal offseason new coaching Daniel Jones blah 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 uh, you know, something to build on. I mean, obviously, some major issues. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me that I can see, but I don't think... Uh, actually, were, you do, right? In, I, front I, I, in terms of penalties, oh. I would say for both teams, was this is a very low penalized game. I want to say under five penalties, it looked like. Yeah, and they weren't for penalties for things that if you watched the Tampa Bay game, for example, you saw a lot Holy of mental shit. mistakes, false starts, yeah. uh, you know, just mental... Mistakes where I think those are at a minimum tonight. So that I, is something. Yeah, and and then the first four drives, two for each team. There, it looked like it was going to be a sloppy game. We we said it together when we were watching. It looked like Pittsburgh with a muff punt and and you know all sorts of disconnection with Roethlisberger and his receivers. The Giants couldn't run the ball for shit. That ended up being a lasting theme throughout the night. But, yeah, we will but, discuss that in more detail yeah. in a minute. But as far as the decision not to run as much and the lack of execution is different than mistakes. Yeah. Know, straight up mistakes. Yeah. And I think more of the mistakes I think early on were on the, the Pittsburgh side more than our side. I think Roethlisberger was completely out of sorts in the beginning and yeah. you know the, the muff punt and things like that. I, I thought they were the team that looked like they suffered the worst for wear with the offseason. But you know again talent always usually wins out in a, in a 16 minute game and that's kind of what happened. I would say talent and continuity. Um you know, as rusty as Pittsburgh might have looked, at least they had years worth of working in the same system to bank on, to go back to. I mean, maybe they had to shake off some cobwebs, but it's it's been there. It's it's part of their muscle memory. I would say with the Giants, we're talking about in all three phases of the game, um, more so in offensive decent and defense, but 
you know, we're, we're talking about brand new playbooks, brand new language, brand new everything. And uh, I think that was maybe evident in the blocking scheme. You know, we were worried about, we were worried about Tewitt and Hayward and Watt and Dupree and being physically able to block that up. And in practice, it didn't look so bad in terms of execution. What looked bad was who had who. I mean, we see guys kind of going through unblocked, like there was a missed assignment or a miscommunication. That seemed to be the problem on the Giants' side. In terms of mental mistakes, I think that's where it was. It wasn't in the fundamental aspect of the game of false starts, delay of games, or anything of that nature, really. And I hate to use the coaching cliche of we can correct that, but that is clearly things that can be corrected. Well, those are things that we would expect in a preseason game that we would be hearing all about how for a whole week Andrew Thomas was chewed out on how he missed a block and it was shown on film in the in the film room with the based on his eight plays he would have in a preseason game exactly yeah. game. but you know something I didn't for one time think oh my god this guy's a sieve at left tackle I mean more of no, the issues we saw that were on the right side of the line or you know up the middle or even or it was just a blown scheme or something but, but again we're, we're talking about a defense that uh you know some people that i respect in the field saying is in the top five defenses in the afc versus a brand new offensive line in a brand new scheme we would have expected even if the mental side was taken out of it everybody's executing mentally at 100 percent, the physical one-on-one they're outmatched didn't really feel like a total domination on Pittsburgh's side at all. I mean, one it seemed like it was anybody's game for I would say 70% of the game, 65% of the game was not. Yeah, I, the, the, the key moments of this game kept this game close for both teams. Mm-hmm. You know, huge mistakes at critical points, you know, the the muff punt. That's a game new that's a game equalizer. Mm-hmm. You know, we the Giants couldn't produce on it unfortunately, but it gave us 3 points. Yeah. You know, the the horrible pick, the Eli-esque red zone pick. We'll get to that. You know, that's something that, you know, it's one play. If you look at the, just looking at the uh, the stats, doesn't come as a glaring thing, but that is a game changer. Yep. Uh, little things like that. And, you know, uh, we have to shake losers lose, which is something that's been with this franchise for, you know, ever since the Super Bowl time. And, you know, but I think there's enough encouraging things that, we can build on going forward. There were some things that were, you know, raise an eyebrow. And I don't know if it's just an anomaly and we'll talk about those or if they're, you know, current trends. Things that if it would have been the last coaching staff, we would have been, you know, up in arms about. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about these as we go. So let's start with Daniel Jones because everything starts at the quarterback position. Um, I highlighted him as a key for the game last night. Um for the pregame that you guys heard this morning on our show, uh, Monday morning, you're now hearing this on Tuesday morning, um, as someone who has to protect the football. And I said that no one is going to blame a young QB going against a very tough defense with a brand new offensive line if the pressure is constantly in his face. But what he needs to do is A, protect the football when he can't avoid a sack, and B, take a sack when there is no play that can be made. And for the most part tonight, I would say he was 95% on it. 
He was actually very impressive. When to pull the ball down, when to put two hands on the ball, when to run, when the clock is timed up. He made one very super duper critical mistake in being one second late on knowing when that clock was out. To his credit, he knew the clock was out. He was outside of the pocket in the third quarter on a very long drive that the Giants had and was essentially throwing it away. It appeared to be that he was throwing it out the back of the end zone. But he had waited too long, and instead of throwing it to the sideline, to his left, he tried to throw it. He turned his body to the right so that he's facing... Uh, per, per, uh, parallel, I guess, with the with the end zone and trying to throw out the back of the end zone and in the process put his arm closer to the ensuing pursuer, which I think was T.J. Watt, and, I'm gonna and knocked his arm to an interception that was completely ended the game for the Giants. Right and that's now. where I'm going to disagree with you, that I don't think he was just merely throwing it away. Because if he was just merely throwing it away, the way his body was going, the momentum was going to the left, and he could have just very simply flicked his wrist out of bounds. Mm-hmm. He was trying to make a play. He okay. went across his body. I don't know what he saw, if he saw anything, or if he panicked, or what he did, but that was clearly an attempt to make a play, not just throw it out of bounds. And for 95% of the game is great, but that's like asking Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? You know, that 5% was a killer. The 5% was, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, so you're 100% right that that 5% is the killer. Um I, to me, the reason I'm saying it was he was throwing it out of bounds is out the back of the end zone is because when the camera angle was behind him, you could see nothing was there. So my assumption is that he's smart enough to know that nothing was there and he's throwing it out the back of the end zone. If he's in the pocket, he's got to throw it downfield. But he wasn't. He wasn't. So he could have just thrown that out of bounds as so long as it's past the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Which he's already running to his left. I don't even care if he fucking kneels and takes a sack. It was second down. Um, at that point, you're in the red zone. That was his first career red zone interception. But to be fair, I mean, we saw Eli do that time and time again, especially in the final third of his career, a lot. So this is not something where the thing is with Eli is that we took that with the good. We knew that there was a fifty-fifty chance that he was either going to win the game or do that. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter what point of the game that was going to happen. I mean, we were at a game against Dallas at home, I don't know, 2014 maybe, where, you know, going into halftime, they marched all the way down the field and he threw a pick six in the red zone to Allen Ball, who returned it the whole, I want to say like 99 yards, maybe 100 yards. He might have caught it in the end zone and took it to the house the other way. I mean, this was something that Eli did, but we knew we had the benefit of years with Eli that we took that with the fourth quarter comebacks. But we don't know that yet with Jones, so it's harder for us as fans to accept bullshit like that. I also think this game plan overall tonight, you know, we know Pittsburgh is a good defense and as Kurt Herbstreet shoved it down our throat for three hours, but this was a game plan that was set up, I think, to minimize potential mistakes. I mean, it was only one real home run threat play call that actually was executed for mm-hmm. touchdown but this was really about getting the ball out of Daniel Jones hands pretty quickly uh, the mind-boggling decision was to make Saquon Barkley a non-factor you know even though his first couple uh, rushing attempts were for no gains or lost in yards he was pretty much shut out of the game for you know uh, rushing attempts passing attempts you know for somebody that you know is the best offensive player on this team. For him to have that few possessions, you know, attempts to him, trying to get the ball into his hands is really, it's kind of inexplicable. And 
you know, again, this is kind of a weird situation. Everybody gets a little bit of a pass, but still, I'd rather force feed it to my best player than to basically have him be a nowhere man and relying so much on your quarterback to win a game for you. So that's something that we're going to have to watch and see. Because if this would have been last year's coaching staff, you know, if they would have been back this year and you would have saw Daniel Jones with, you know, he had, uh, Saquon had 15 rushing oh, attempts for sorry. six yards. That's that's not going to cut it. And it happened last year, too. Yeah. So, so or a year before, rather. Let's, let's get the cocksucking out of the way right here. Uh, as much as we're going to shit all over the game plan and everything else, Darius Slayton played, I would say, up to snuff tonight. On, on nine targets, he, he hauled in six. That's a pretty good completion percentage specifically to him. And he made the most of it with two touchdowns and 102 yards. Congratulations goes around to Darius Slayton, probably the only person on offense that I'm going to give he, a round of applause. He gets to. a star. He gets a star. Right. I'm giving him a star. You know, I, I know what you're saying about Barkley, and I'm going to agree with you because 15 carries is not enough for Barkley. 15 carries and nine targets, 24 attempts specifically in Barkley's direction is not so bad. I would like more, but I wouldn't say when you think about Barkley, 24 attempts to get it in his hands is not terrible. Um, 0.4 yards per carry is the, the, beyond terrible. Okay, so specifically talking care. about Barkley in the run game, I yes. would agree entirely. I know it's 15 carries. I know he only got six fucking yards. Look, we can talk about this forever. The run game doesn't have to work. You have to at least show that you're trying to do it. And, you know, I pointed out in the pregame that I hope that we come at this with a balanced attack because it will at least keep these elite pass rushers, Bud Dupree and TJ Watt, in check. If they have get, to at least respect the fact that they might be wrong. It might be a screen. It might be not a play fake. It might be a play fake. They have to. Can't, the, they can't just run in blind faith that they're rushing the quarterback. And that's what ended up happening by the end of this game. But by the bottom line is, if Daniel Jones at this stage in his career is throwing the ball 41 times, mm-hmm. this team is not winning games. I don't care if it's Pittsburgh. I don't care if they're playing the Akron Zips. <laughs> This this offense is not set up at this point for you know an air raid offense with with a quarterback with his experience and his comfort level with the offense and you know this offensive line they have to run the ball and again we've invested so much in Saquon Barkley you know if, if a guy like you know you name the top five running backs in the league to have a week like this you'd be like that's I can't believe what I'm seeing. Agree. And this is not the first time in Saquon's career we've seen putrid numbers like this. Mm-hmm. So, um, before we flip to the defensive side of the ball, uh, let's get the announcers out of the way, right? Um, the announcers made... I mean, I have a feeling that we're easing our way into it the more we talk about this game, so we'll just get it out of the way. I don't think either one of... Chris Fowler or Herb Street knew what they were talking about in this game. I think they did the minimal amount of research going into it. Yeah, that's ESPN's MO is they don't care. They insult the people that care about the sport the most in Mm -hmm. anything they do. They do it with baseball, you know, with these mindless interviews during games. They have, you know, mindless star names being announcers. It's, It's meaningless. Who cares? You know, it's just a stupid gimmick that they feel people who wouldn't watch the NFL are going to now watch because 
horrible college football announcers and names are covering it, and it does a disservice to the actual football fan. Nobody's nobody's flipping the dial over from something else to it. So I don't even want to comment on it because I me, mean, it's just it's just ESPN hubris and think they are, you know, they think they know. ESPN's in the business for ESPN. That's yeah, all they are. Of course. Well, I mean, the only reason I mention it is because jam down your. If you're a casual fan and you're listening to this podcast, which is which is fair, um, we're here. Uh, I wouldn't say to educate, but to try and keep a realistic point of view, right? If you were just a casual fan and you watch this broadcast, you're probably being force fed exactly what's being told to you. And it seemed to me that the the broadcast research was Juju Smith Schuster and uh, the Pittsburgh defense. This Pittsburgh defense is really good. It's not that fucking good. They were ready to, they had all these talking points and they had these highlights set up to highlight a Pittsburgh offense, uh, defense that was just going to destroy this offensive line. I got to say, as much as we can you know, blame Saquon Barkley or, or the offensive game plan for having a putrid rushing numbers, etc., this was not nearly as bad as what I was expecting at all. I mean, they were ready to, t- to tell you that Bud Dupree was unblockable. I didn't think Andrew Thomas did that bad. I mean, at one time they credited Bud Dupree with a pressure when it was the corner coming off of a blitz that the running back didn't pick up. You know, at another point they credited they, they were blowing Stefan Tuitt when he made no impact on the play. They truly had no idea. So if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast and you watch that game and you, you were... You know, you, you come away from that game thinking that the offensive line couldn't do jack shit. I'll tell you that in the run game, they were pretty poor. But in the passing game, they were not that bad. It was just, This was a lot better than what I was expecting Daniel Jones to have to undergo in this game. I think the reason we lost this game were the four or five self-inflicted mistakes as much as a overall dominance or trend of... You know their defense dominating our offensive line. I mean, well, if, I mean, if you take away, you take away, you know, we get the ball first and goal after the muff punt. You know, questionable play calling and lack of execution more so than being dominated by the defense. Mm-hmm. That's that's four points right there. Mm-hmm. You know the you know the, the brain fart by Daniel Jones. I mean, that's the big that's one. Seven right there. points right there. I, I mean, mean, so so we highlighted in this game. Uh, yesterday, Sunday night, uh, recording for the Monday episode, that the Giants are not prepared to play from two scores behind. At that point, at the point of the Jones interception, they were one score behind, ready to be right in it. Mm-hmm. Right in it. It was at that point where the interception happened, a huge drive for Pittsburgh to come up and go away, go ahead two, two scores. That was it. That was the nail in the coffin for this game. They are not prepared to take on a team of this caliber and, and you could down see two scores. And period. E- yeah. Even down two, like that final drive, when we started with, I think, six minutes left. Mm-hmm. There is no urgency in that. And it's not because they're just being lazy. It's just this offense is not going to be built yet to quick strike. And, you know, well, especially not with no preseason, too. Exactly. So you're asking a lot. And I think that, you know, we were as we were watching the game. Grump was like, "Well, how much is this preparation for the season?" Like, no, that's not it. It's just this. You know, they are not built for quick strikes. They are not built again. You know, you're not getting your. You know, Saquon Barkley is not part of the offense at this point. You're not going to run him up the middle, but you know, he's not a factor. We don't have that number one receiver who's going to, you know, break off a sixty yard uh, pass play when, when you need it. You know, we were kind of screwed, and 
you know, we were kind of taking what the, the Pittsburgh defense was giving at the end. And, yeah, we're, we're just not that team. When we're down, built to come from behind. Yeah. Let's flip to the the, the defensive side of the uh, the ball here. Um, you know, we were a little worried about this defense in general. Forget forget this matchup. Let's just talk about this defense in general. Um, you know, we, uh, we were worried about the pass rush. We were wor- worried about against the pass. Um... Overall, this was, I mean, we can credit some of it to uh, Ben Roethlisberger being a little rusty, you know, an offseason, a, a COVID offseason where, um, you know, Pittsburgh maybe isn't as prepared. I would say that this defensive line actually showed, I, and I know David DeCastro is out for Pittsburgh. They, from the first snap until the end of the game, I would say was getting decent pressure on Pittsburgh. It wasn't until they were two scores behind in the fourth quarter that they were really starting to look gassed and out of sorts. You know, I don't I don't want to overgloss it and I don't want to under undergloss it. I don't know if that's a word. But you know, this is this is a Pittsburgh team that has had the same offensive coordinator for a couple of years. They have a a quarterback who's been quarterbacking for this team since two thousand seven. They have the epitome of consistency in this league. This is this is I wouldn't say the gold standard, but it's approaching it. The gold standard is probably Brady and McDaniel's, um, but you know this is a team that a new defense should be failing against, and they did not do poorly. And for what it's worth, Leonard Williams with four tackles, one sack, two tackles for a loss. For all the uh, Leonard Williams is the worst trade in Giants history, people. Dexter Lawrence had a big game with three tackles. Um, a sack and a tackle for a loss. Lorenzo Carter, I would also say, even though not really wowing off the stat sheet, certainly showed some serious quarterback pressures. We'll see in some advanced stats later on. This defense didn't look horrendous against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was spectacular. I mean, I wouldn't, nope. go, I wouldn't go as far as say Dexter Lawrence had fantastic numbers or anything, but I nope. think it was consistent for the most part of the game. It was, you know, they belong to be on the field with Pittsburgh. I mean, we didn't see a lot of the problems we've seen in the last couple of years where guys were running wild in the secondary nope. with nobody near them. We didn't see Roethlisberger just camped out all day just looking at his fourth and fifth and twelfth read. We didn't see any of that. You know, we were the defense was aided by, I think, a pretty inaccurate Roethlisberger early in the game, which yeah. set up some second and third and longs, which helped them. Which, mm-hmm. you know, most defenses, you know, the more successful ones usually have second and third and longs they're they're, they're starting with. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, first week encouraging. It wasn't like we've seen in the past where it was just sieves and missed assignments and guys just getting completely toasted. I mean, how many times have we watched that opening night Sunday game in Dallas when and Collinsworth is crucifying some cornerback on the Giants for just being, you know, making the guy out to be you know, the worst player in the history of, of organized sports. And we didn't see that by by anybody today. No, I mean, we were specifically worried about Corey Ballantyne. And, and I would say that he might have been targeted tonight, um, but I wouldn't say that he was abused. Uh, you know... He wasn't very good, but he was also wasn't abused. I mean, they, we, we watched in person... This team. Yeah. We watched in person DeAndre Baker in his first couple of games last year. This is no slight against him. It's it's the whole thing. It's a first-year player. It's it's a the, the better defense, etc. But, I mean, we watched in the first three weeks last year, there were guys... There wasn't anyone within like 10 yards of wide open receivers. There was nobody on this defense where we said, why is this guy on an NFL field? Yeah. And we have have said that 
I mean, we, again, a little hyperbole, and it's like a, a rookie's first game or something, but nobody looks so egregiously out of position consistently or just getting torched or burnt. Now, let's granted, Pittsburgh, sort of like the Giants, wasn't exactly an air raid offense either. They no. weren't they weren't attacking as much as you might see offenses later on in the season, and there will be some game film on the Giants going forward. So let's see in week two, three, four, you know, if teams are going more downfield against us. But for what was presented to them, I think they did a pretty decent job. This The defense didn't lose it to the game for this team. I think it was offensive, you know, Fuck ups. Yeah, that I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say incompetence at any level. No, I think just was, uh, just just rustiness, lack just, lack of execution, and yeah. just some brain cramps at critical spots. I mean, we're recording this within. We started recording this. I would say within ten minutes of shutting off the TV. So excuse me if this is a little bit inaccurate, and I will be glad to correct myself on Twitter later on. Um, but guys who jumped off the tape to me while I was watching the game were Blake Martinez seemed all over the field. Um, and, and not in the, in the sense of trailing receivers and making a shoestring tackle after being a failure in coverage. I mean, he was down around the, line, down around the line of scrimmage. He was, you know, just, just right on people's heels. He was in close coverage. He looked pretty good. I was surprised. And I, you know, too long, didn't read. But I, I, had, a, I had a friend text me that said, Blake Martinez was a huge pickup for you guys. He looks good out there. Uh, I would say that... Um, Darnay Holmes also jumped off the the tape for me. I mean, this is a guy that we've been hearing from beat reporters has looked good. I've held my my tongue a little bit on praise for him. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, there were multiple times where I was saying his name, watching it on, on TV. He's, he's seeing it and reacting at a level that I would not expect from a first professional game from a guy who was not picked in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, right? I, I, I would say just... The defensive line as a whole, I think, did a pretty good job. I would agree with that, yeah. I mean, it took a while. You know, James Conner did nothing until he got hurt. Yeah, I would agree, yeah. And and there really was no running game for a while, I think. You know... uh, I mean, even in the the screen game for Pittsburgh, they were... They were knocked off time. And we, we credit some of that to Ben Roethlisberger's rust. But, I mean, also, he wasn't just able to loft a pass out to Benny Snell or James Conner. He was under pressure. Those were immediate timing passes. The timing was getting disrupted by the likes of Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, etc. So this was not just some ineptitude on on Pittsburgh's part, but it was also some, you know, good defensive line play. There was some forced ineptitude on Pittsburgh's part. And I think if you really want to take away from this game, I think you take the first half is what you really want to look at because the second half is going to be you know, fatigue is going to set in, yeah. and you know, and, and all those type of things. That, you know, it's, it's the first game, first game of a first game. Usually, you're kind of like, okay, it's getting tired. But again, without having, you know, the preseason games and the normal, you know, hitting and in practice and all those other things, which we've always talked about, I think in that that, that first half, I think the uh, the defense was adequate. Yeah, and I mean, you know something that's better we, than I expected. We haven't been adequate in quite a while. Yeah, and I saw some hyperbole on Twitter about this is the best defense we've seen since 2016, etc. Relax. And, 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 and not that that's incorrect. I don't want to correct anybody, but it is also week one. This is just as COVID-related for Pittsburgh as it is for New York. Um, so there is some rustiness to account for there. But I can't say that it's wrong. 
I mean, this is the best defense we've seen in about four years. Now, whether that's 100% Giants or, yeah, or not, some I'm, percent. I'm, I'm not going to say that because, again, it's such a tiny little blip of the beginning of the season and all these other things that, you know, you could very easily say, you know, you could look at halves last year and say that's the worst defense we've seen in, in 97 years of Giant history, too. So that's... I, I think that's way too silly to start even talking about things like that. that. That's fair. But let me ask you something, though. From what we saw from this game, is there anything you can take away to see this is what this defense kind of wants to be? Like, have you seen any semblance of an identity they're trying to do with this defense? I think so. I think, I think they want to be mysterious in their rushes. I mean, we saw, and, and the announcers, to their credit, did point it out, there were some roaming around the defensive line, which... In that particular instance where they pointed it out, did not work in any in any capacity. But they're going against a veteran quarterback like Roethlisberger is gonna, you know, you're taking your chances there. But I think what they want to do is disguise where pressure is coming from. I think they want to get consistent pressure out of three, four guys on every given any give on any given play. But they want to have the mystery in their in their scheme, in their alignment, etc. To not let the quarterback or the offensive coordinator know where that fifth guy or that sixth guy is coming from. And I think that we saw that in some capacity. We saw some blitzes off the edge with corners. We saw multiple linebackers come in on blitzes. I think that's what they want. They want mysterious pressure. And let me tell you something. If that's what they want, and that's what they're trying to do, that's going to take time. Yes. That's going to take reps. It's going to take reps on, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday mm-hmm. is going to take reps on Sundays. You're not all of a sudden going to have this thinking defense, you know, intricate defense that's designed to, you know, confuse an, a, 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 an offense and get them out of sorts until you actually practice it more and do it more. The the That means there may be some more tape on it for other teams to kind of figure it out, but to execute it at the level it's needed to be to be successful it's just going to take time. And unfortunately, we're not making excuses, but facts are the facts. They did not have a full offseason to implement and rep it up to a level where it's going to be effective on week one. Doesn't mean it's going to be a failure this year. It might, no. be, might be to week five or six before you... But let's go back in recent Giant history. How many horrible Giant defenses have we seen that by week four... The page turned and it started to be... Oh, sure. I mean, we talk about the Super Bowl years all the time, and I don't want to harken back to that like we're in, uh, you know... A similar path. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, in, in 2007 and 2011, we were talking about historically bad Giants defenses that by week three were starting to turn it around. Um, I will say, I mean, there were instances where we got sacks on three-man pressure. I mean, I think that's what this defense wants to be. They want to be so multiple that sometimes the illusion of pressure... Gets pressure. We, we also have to have, to have guys that can do that too. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you're seeing these guys like the Dexter Lawrences and, and the BJ Hills are really starting to come into their own in this league where they can be, if called upon, it's going to be a three man front. Go yeah. get them. You know, they actually, once in a while, actually, if not getting to the quarterback, putting the pressure on, it's necessary. So, all in all, we're looking at a 26 16 game, which is actually a worse numbers outcome than what I predicted. But watching it in real time, I was not totally disgusted. No. I mean, I mean, no. from an offensive standpoint, I would say it was most disgusted by the running game. But overall, Daniel Jones did not look terrible. He didn't look even bad. I wasn't disgusted by the running game as much as I was disappointed in the lack of commitment for it. Yeah. And 
you know, I, you know, we're now in the third year of Saquon Barkley on this team, and I still, I still can't define what Saquon Barkley is. I can't define. Well, he's a guy who needs to get his touches. The more he touches the ball, the more effective he is in the game. You know, it, it, it's still a bit of a mystery to me of what is what is he going to be in this league, and what's the best way to utilize him. And I think this coaching staff is trying to figure that out as well. Yeah, he's not. You know, he's not running backs that, you know, Jason Garrett has had in the past. He's not as strong. Uh, I don't know. I, it just seems like there's a little bit of a disconnect on what we think he should be and how do we do that. I would agree. I, I mean, specifically Daniel Jones is what I was worried about and the tackles is what I was worrying about. And I don't think either one of them truly disappointed me. I think Jones was fine. He was I, about what I expected, maybe a little bit better. I can't. I can't. I can't ignore I'm not the ignoring. mistake to say it was fine. I think it was, you know, I saw some progression, but those mistakes are, they're unacceptable. I, I'm not accepting it, but what I'm saying is there were three or four times where I was like, good, this is what I wanted to see out of him, tucking the ball in, you know, taking the sack, running when he needs to run, things that we didn't see from him last year. Yeah, well, there's the, the, the interception, I'm not discounting it. I'm not I'm not accepting it. I'm not letting it go. What I'm saying is it was one mistake versus five or six potential mistakes. It's week one in, in a no preseason year. I'm going to give him about three weeks to get that shit out of his system. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm going to give him a longer leash. I mean, this is like year two. I want to see throughout the year. I want to see a progression that's from what I'm now saying. until I mean, then. I'm not going to say after week three, I mean, even right, this should be over. Even now. in week 17 last year, we were seeing mistakes like this from Daniel Jones two, three times a game. Yeah? We, we also, we severely criticized the coaching last year. I, I, you know, the understood, lack, com, understood. But this of, is still... Complete lack of receivers last year. Offensive line was Look, man, I get it. I'm not... I'm not night and day. I'm not... It's not nine day though. I mean, it's still personal decisions. It doesn't matter where your receivers are. If you're about to take a sack, do you take a sack? Do you throw it away? What do you do? I mean, those are still individual decisions that he has to make. It doesn't matter if yeah. your receivers are open or good or who they are. That's fair. It's whether you throw it away or not. And, and this, these are these are Daniel Jones' decisions. But I, and th- but I think five that- times tonight, his decisions were good. One time, it was bad. And it was so bad, it was super bad. It actually ended the game for the Giants. Well, there also was a fumble, too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, the 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 things that was watching were Daniel Jones and the offensive line. Yeah. Um, and the offensive line also did not look horrendous. I mean, as much as 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 much as ESPN wanted to tell you in in real time that they were abysmal and sad and awful and that Bud Dupree is unblockable and T.J. Watt is a monster, those guys I don't want to take anything away from them. But this was not as bad as I I mean, watching it was not as bad as I pictured. From a pass blocking perspective, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, 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 you didn't. I saw see, more mental mistakes on who was picking up who and that's than gonna, anything. That'll else. be corrected yeah. as we go forward. A cliche, cranky fans saying that, but yeah, uh, pass blocking I thought was was fine. I, I think you know every time you have one of the quote unquote best running backs in the league running for negative yardage, that tells me there's a problem run blocking, and that I agree. Something has to be. Addressed with that, and they, the, the big jump always goes from week one to week two. We'll see what happens. Any you know corrections are made in, in scheme or anything, but uh, you know I can't give the, the offensive line a passing grade when you you know can't run the ball. Yeah, defensively, I would say that they played so much better than my expectations. That had they had the benefit of a lead, like a real lead, I'm not talking about a one point lead. 
um, they might have actually won this game. I would say if they had a true 17 to 10, 17 to 9, whatever. They, they just they, didn't have that final gear that was necessary because like a right. two-minute warning, you know, Roethlisberger went down the field. But, but going into this game, were you more concerned about the defense or offense uh, from, a, from a paper perspective? Oh, the defense. Yeah, I, I would. I had no confidence and, and, and in this and defense. And I'll be to more. I'll be more concerned throughout the rest of the season about the defense and the offense. I think the offense. Yeah. I think the offense will find its footing. I think there's just more talent in the offense than the defense. Correct. I think. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think this offensive line will, once it meets peak performance, will be an adequate offensive line in this league. It's not going to be, you know, the Hogs of the '80s Redskins are not going to be, you know, paper mache. They'll be somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley is not going to average 0.6 yards a carry the rest of the season. I should certainly hope not. Evan Ingram is going to have a much better game than he did today. I would I would say he didn't have a bad game, but he was not as we would expect it. Basically, I would say he had a bad game. What we're what we're saying is, if you're sitting in a bathtub right now with holding a toaster, uh, put it down gently to your left and and don't drop it into the into the water. Well, this is all about expectations and being real. I mean, mm-hmm. if you thought this team was going to the Super Bowl. You know, go ahead and plug the toaster in and go burn yourself. But <laughs> if you figured this team was, you know, on an upward trajectory, heading towards, you know, next year being real about making the postseason and you know going forward, then yeah, I think it was a, a positive foundation. I mean, there was other than the, the questionable decision making with, you know, scheme wise with Saquon Barkley, there was nothing that in this game was like. Why do we go for it there? What are we doing? The only thing I might say was I think there was a little lack of uh, urgency on that last drive we had I would agree when with we that. were yeah. down. Well, we were saying that when we were watching it. Yeah, we were down 17. Two scores. I, I know at least, yeah, at least yeah, two yeah. scores. So. Yeah, we were down seven. No, we were down 16. Mm-hmm. Down 16, and it's just too much time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, got to have a little flow into it. and. You know, if you're relying, you're still on an onside kick. You got to give yourself enough time to get the th- you know the timeouts and move on. So, but that necessarily that's not decision making. I mean, we were we were blasting Bay McAdoo, and we were you know we were blasting correct. Well, I'd say last year for like, what are we doing on third down? What is that called? Why are we burning timeouts? Why are we going? Yeah, I don't here? think at one point tonight I felt like that. Other than the general step back, why aren't we running the ball at all? I think that was like the only real question we had while watching this game. And it wasn't a specific down and distance. It was just in general. It's like, did we just give up on the run? It's the second quarter. And, and you know, we, we are recording this you know, right after the game. So we have not the opportunity to listen to the Joe Judge press conference or read quotes or anything. So Or rewatch the game. There may be something that we don't know about. And if we find out that, you know, Barkley tore a muscle or something, then, you know, we'll, sure. we will update this as obviously we go. But, you know. Something that I, I don't think we'll be on week nine still talking about the same thing. So that's going to do it for us. We will be back on Thursday night. So Friday morning for you guys, we will have an episode against the Chicago Bears for all of our pregame notes and all that stuff. But for the interim between now and Friday morning, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump for all of your Giants updates. And I am always on Twitter at the cranky fan where I'm talking about Everything right now. It's three TVs in my house every night for everything going on. So, and this podcast can be found can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean. You name it, it's everywhere. 
Um, it also has a Twitter account at Just Giants Pod. So be sure to follow it there for free. You will have all of these episodes ready and um, waiting for you in your queue on Tuesday mornings and Friday mornings. And uh, with that, let's just say the podcast will be in your feed before I wake up tomorrow morning. Correct. That yes. is definitely true, right there. For sure. And with that, go, go Giants. Giants.